European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 27, Focus Issue on Heart Failure, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Breaking News in Heart Failure, ESC Guidelines 2016, Non-Steroidal Mineralocorticoid Receptor Antagonist and Alternate Site CRT Pacing. Heart failure is a growing problem in cardiovascular medicine as an end stage of a variety of cardiac diseases, including infarction, hypertension, diabetes, myocardial, and congenital heart disease, as well as in the peripartum period. Indeed, as we are able to treat, but not cure, many patients end up with heart failure with preserved or reduced ejection fraction. We will soon be celebrating the 30th anniversary of clinical trials that for the first time convincingly showed that the miserable outcome of patients with heart failure can be improved. Recently, important progress has been made in drug treatment as well as the use of devices in heart failure. Thus, the new 2016 ESC guidelines on acute and chronic heart failure are published at a very timely moment. Authored by the Authors and Task Force Committee, the aim of all the ESC guidelines is to help health professionals to make appropriate clinical decisions in their everyday practice based on the best available evidence. Over the last three decades, heart failure management has experienced and celebrated numerous highs, which have definitely outnumbered several lows all of which have allowed us to unravel the pathophysiology of this clinical syndrome, but more importantly have led to better care of patients. In the year 2016, no one will dispute that, by applying all evidence-based discoveries, heart failure is becoming a preventable and treatable disease, and this document aims to provide practical, evidence-based guidelines for the diagnosis and treatment of heart failure. The most important novel aspects of the 2016 guidelines are summarized in the Ten Commandments in the Cardio Pulse section of this issue. The guidelines are accompanied by a joint editorial published by the American College of Cardiology, ACC, and the American Heart Association, AHA, as well as the European Society of Cardiology, ESC, on the use of the so-called ARNIs i.e. novel combination drugs inhibiting both the angiotensin II type 1 receptor and the breakdown of natriuretic peptides. The diagnosis of heart failure is still mainly based on clinical findings, most importantly pulmonary congestion. Although the stethoscope has been used since 1816, when René Lenec introduced it into clinical practice, it is known to be less than perfect. Indeed, extravascular lung water is a key variable in heart failure management and outcome, but its objective assessment remains difficult. In a clinical review, ultrasound and extravascular lung water, a new standard for pulmonary congestion, Eugenio Picano from the National Research Council in Pisa, Italy, studied the use of ultrasound in this context. Lung imaging has been traditionally considered off-limits for ultrasound techniques due to the acoustic barrier of a high-impedance air wall. In pulmonary congestion, however, the presence of both air and water creates a peculiar echo fingerprint. Lung ultrasound shows B-lines, comet-like signals arising from a hyper-echoic pleural line with a to-and-fro movement synchronized with respiration. Increasing extravascular lung water accumulation 
changes the normal, no echo signal, with lung tissue appearing black in the absence of extravascular water into a black and white pattern with interstitial subpleura edema with multiple B lines, or a white lung pattern in the presence of alveolar pulmonary edema with coalescing B lines. The number and spatial extent of B lines on the anterolateral chest allow a semi-quantitative estimation of extravascular lung water from absent, less than 5, to severe pulmonary edema with more than 30 B lines. Wet B lines are made by water and decreased by diuretics, which cannot modify dry B lines made of connective tissue. Of note, B lines can be evaluated anywhere, including under extreme environmental conditions, with pocket size instruments to detect high altitude pulmonary edema anytime during dialysis to titrate intervention by anyone, such as a novice sonographer, after one hour training on anybody, since the chest acoustic window usually remains patent when echocardiography is not feasible. Cardiologists can achieve much diagnostic gain with little investment of technology, training, and time. B-lines represent the shape of lung water. They allow non-invasive detection in real time of even subclinical forms of pulmonary edema with a low-cost, radiation-free approach. In summary, therefore, lung ultrasound may be a most useful novel tool to examine patients with acute heart failure and to monitor those with the chronic form of the disease. Activation of neurohumoral hormones, among them aldosterone, importantly contributes to the dismal outcome of heart failure. Indeed, inhibition of the mineralocorticoid receptor with steroid-like antagonists such as spiriloactone and aplerinone markedly reduced events in such patients. Non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist may have a better safety profile. In a fast track entitled A Randomized Controlled Study of Phenerinone versus Eplerinone in Patients with Worsening Chronic Heart Failure and Diabetes and or Chronic Kidney Disease, Gerasimos Philippatos and colleagues from the Attikon University Hospital in Athens, Greece, evaluated different oral dosages of the non-steroidal mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist phenerinone over three months in patients with worsening heart failure and reduced ejection fraction and chronic kidney disease and or diabetes. ARTS HF was a double-blind phase 2b multicenter study that randomized 1,066 patients. Patients received either once-daily phenerinone at 2.5, 5, 7.5, 10, or 15 milligrams, and were then uptitrated to 5, 10, 15, 20, or 20 milligrams respectively, or eplerinone 25 milligrams every other day which was increased to 25 mg once daily on day 30 and to 50 mg once daily on day 60 over three months. The primary endpoint was the percentage of individuals with a decrease of more than 30% in plasma N-terminal pro-B type natriuretic peptide at three months. N-terminal pro-B type natriuretic peptide decreased in 37% of patients in the aplerinone group and 31, 33, 37, 39, and 34% in the 2.5 to 5 mg, 5 to 10 mg, 7.5 to 15 mg, 
10 to 20 mg and 15 to 20 mg finerenone groups, respectively. Except for the 2.5 to 5 mg finerenone group, the composite clinical endpoint occurred less frequently in finerenone treated patients compared with eplerinone, with the greatest risk reduction observed in the 10 to 20 mg group with a hazard ratio of 0.56. A potassium level increase to equal or above 5.6 millimoles per litre occurred in only 4.3% of patients with a balanced distribution among all treatment groups. The authors conclude that phenerenone was well tolerated and induced a similar decrease in N-terminal pro-B type natriuretic peptide levels to eplerinone. The finding of reduced clinical events in the phenerenone 10 to 20 mg group should be further explored in a large outcomes trial. The findings are discussed in an editorial by Matthias Negeller from the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland. In patients with heart failure and left bundle branch block and widened QRS complex on the ECG, Biventricular pacing provides substantial benefit, particularly when effective pacing is provided. However, placement of the left ventricular electrode can be challenging in some cases. In their study, Alternate Site Cardiac Resynchronization, ALSYNC, a prospective and multicenter study of left ventricular endocardial pacing for cardiac resynchronization therapy, John Mark Morgan from Southampton University Hospitals in the UK evaluated in the ALSYNC study the feasibility and safety of left ventricular endocardial pacing using a market-released pacing lead implanted via a single pectoral access by a novel atrial transeptal lead delivery system. ALSYNC was a prospective clinical investigation with a minimum of 12 months follow-up in 18 centers of cardiac resynchronization therapy indicated patients who had failed or were unsuitable for conventional cardiac resynchronization therapy. The ALSYNC system comprises the investigational lead delivery system and left ventricular endocardial pacing lead. The study enrolled 138 patients, and the left ventricular endocardial pacing lead implant success rate was 89%. Freedom from complications meeting the definition of primary endpoint reached 82% at 6 months. 14 transient ischemic attacks, 5 non-disabling strokes, and 23 deaths occurred with none of the deaths being a primary endpoint complication. At 6 months, the New York Heart Association class improved in 59% of patients and 55% had a left ventricular end-systolic volume reduction of 15% or greater. Those patients enrolled after cardiac resynchronization therapy, non-response, showed similar improvement with left ventricular endocardial pacing. The authors therefore conclude that the ALSYNC study demonstrates clinical feasibility and provides an early indication of possible benefit and risk of left ventricular endocardial pacing. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.